Welcome to a new podcast series here at Sovereign Hope called Discipleship Discussions, which is a series of interviews aimed to help move you towards a culture of discipleship by doing just that, helping each other follow Jesus in all of life through the gospel. And so helping us today is Amy Joseph. Amy has worked as the Women's Ministry Director at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in sunny San Diego, California, which is where I am from. Uh, she is not from there, uh, but she is also involved with campus outreach with her husband, Gijo, who will also be on this series. Um, she has written and writes for the Gospel Coalition and almost daily on her blog, amyjoseph.blog. She's the mother of three boys and a dog, uh, and is uh, we have the privilege of being a friend of Amy and her family. And so welcome, Amy, to our podcast. It's good to have you with us today. Thanks, Tyler. This is really fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, I would just like to reiterate that our last encounter was you guys refusing to come on vacation with us. So right. I just wanted to make sure that was publicly known on the podcast so that there's some context to our friendship um, in that uh, this is more of a makeup podcast than anything else. Um, yes. So uh, at Sovereign Hope, we have found it helpful to try and define discipleship for our people because discipleship is everywhere and can be almost anything, but if it remains undefined, then nothing is discipleship. And so uh, we define discipleship, as you heard in the tag at the beginning, uh, as helping each other follow Jesus in all of life through the gospel. And so when it comes to you um, in ministry, you as just a, a church member, do you have like a, a definition or a philosophy of discipleship that kind of helps you vet like, what am I doing and what might that look like in life? Yes. Um, I don't think I have one as concise as yours, so that's awesome. But I have some some big rocks, some big pieces that I feel like are essential to discipleship. And I'm with you in that if you define it too narrowly, there's dangers. If you define it too broadly, there's dangers. So too narrowly, um, I, I was discipled in a college ministry, the college ministry that we do. And so I had a very, very narrow lens of what I thought discipleship looked like. I thought it looked like an older believer a couple years older, meeting at least once weekly individually and once weekly as a group for approximately two hours each uh, with another believer um, for about four years. And it was very narrow and rigid. And I, th- it was, I think it was beautiful. And I'm so thankful for that experience. But after graduating and working in the real world, quote unquote, um, and then becoming a mother and then trying to transfer discipleship that we've done on the college campus into the local church, I had to broaden my definition. And I think the danger of over broadening a definition on the other side is that you said it just a second ago, is that all of a sudden, oh, well, all of life is discipleship, right? And you're like, that's helpful, but that doesn't actually help me at all. <laughs> so right. Traffic discipleship is going to the grocery store discipleship. What what are the pieces of discipleship? And so I think some of the essences of that you have to have in discipleship are it's got to be relational. Obviously, you, you said that helping each other. So there's a, re- a reciprocity. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes two narrow definitions don't include reciprocity. It's much more top down. Um, mm-hmm. I think there is there's mutuality in discipleship. And so we learn from others and others learn from us. Um, and it's helpful to have someone a little bit ahead of you, but that doesn't mean that they're not also learning. Um, and so right. I think reciprocal relationships, intentionality um, around the gospel and through the word empowered by the spirit. So I would say those things, are, if you have those things, um, you have the main big rocks. I would also say it is um, it, it has got to be bound by the word and founded on the word of God. And it... 
Or there's another thought and it's just escaping me. It's very hot here. We don't have AC. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll stop there for now. No, that's good. And so I, th- I think one thing I love about what you've talked about is this intentionality because there is a degree to where uh, almost anything can be discipleship. Um, and yet discipleship is not just Christian friendship. Um, there's something unique about it. Uh, and maybe that's wrong. Maybe it is Christian friendship. Maybe Christian friendships ought to be discipleship oriented, but it is not simply friendship uh, by the worldly standards. And so um, knowing what it is we're after is really important. So y- you mentioned... Um, I don't actually know this. Amy, did you grow up in a Christian home? Did you get saved in college? I, I was um, I was raised in a very loving um, but amoral home, uh, amoral to immoral, depending on the day. Um, no, did not grow up going to church. I was a priester, which is what we call Christmas and Easter Catholics. I went Christmas and Easter, um, and that was it, and went to Catholic schooling. So um, definitely had a God awareness, but I would say a very high guilt awareness as well. Um, and, and so got bits and pieces, but never got the whole, um, and honestly just kind of leaned into my own perfectionism. That was, it was merit based life. If I could just be the best at everything, then blank, I will be loved. I will be lovely. I'll be successful and significant and secure. So all the needs of the human heart were trying to be found in my performance. And, um, in high school, a young life leader, um, invested in my life and I was drawn to the body of Christ and saw something incredibly different in them. Went to a camp uh, over a weekend, heard the gospel, and everyone else kind of knew Young Life's model is there's a Jesus talk, a sin talk, and a cross talk on a weekend camp. And I think everyone else at camp seemed to know what was coming. I didn't know what was coming. So when they shared the sin talk, I was like, oh my goodness, this changes everything. Devastated. And then they shared the cross talk and it was like, oh my gosh, that's the solution. That is what's been missing my entire life. And I didn't have like a Billy Graham conversion moment. I just wept and thought, if this is real, this is, this changes everything. This changes everything. And so did that, didn't really have clear discipleship after that. Um, In fact, it felt like I was kind of thrown to the wolves. I know I had, I was changed. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation, old things pass away, new things come. That was me in high school. But I had no, no one intentionally investing in me, catching me on the back end. So I had a great conversion experience with no discipleship on the back end. In fact, if you'd come to faith at a Young Life camp, at least back in the day, they would give you this little book called My First 30 Quiet Times. And so I just did my first 30 quiet times for a year and a half. I just kept doing the same 30 quiet times over and over and because I didn't know what to do. Right. So um, fast forward to college was like, I'm, I'm going to find a Christian college. I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to learn all the things I didn't know because I didn't have any biblical literacy at all. I had a precious moments Bible that I got when I was christened into the Catholic church. Um, it was and literally was a like, I just want to grow. Like so I went like to this school that I thought was, it was Presbyterian college. So I thought it was going to be this great church. I didn't know anything about Presbyterianism. I just thought, well, that's, that's Christian. I got there and was super devastated to find out that it was incredibly um, not God centered. And um, that it was just like everything else. It was uh, theologically pretty, pretty liberal and man centered. And, but God was so gracious because there was this girl that would come on my hall and she would knock on the doors of, um, of of the girls in my hall, which we were kind of loud and intimidating. Um, I was hanging out with a bunch of non-Christians, so I kind of looked like a non-Christian because I didn't know what it meant to look like a Christian. And she would knock on doors and try to build relationships with us. And everyone knew that she was a Christian and they would all laugh at her. And then one night I just walked in the rain. I'll never forget. I walked in the rain to her house and knocked on her door and was like, look, you don't know me, but you've been trying to hang out with the girls in my hall. You, you're trying to share Jesus with me, but I'm a Christian. and 
I need help. Like I want to grow. I need friends. I want to learn how to study the Bible. And she said, well, that's great. That's what I'm here to do. And so spent four years with her discipling me. Um, I didn't know she was doing it at the time. I thought she was my best friend. So later I learned about the intentionality part. Um, but so thankful for those years of investment and learning how to study the, how to study the word and the hours of informal and formal time spent together. Um, that was the person I was referring to when I said I had this great, you know, experience of four hours a week with this person, and um, which was an incredible gift, but is also not the only model of discipleship. Yeah. So, and maybe this is answering a little more of what that looks like. But when did, um, at what point in your life did it click that this person, all they're doing is helping me follow Jesus, and this is really profound? I remember sitting in my dorm room and I was studying in Corinthians where it's talking about where Paul is writing about the household of Stephanus. And he's talking about the first fruits of his, of his, of his um, ministry in Asia. And he says, I'm writing to you about the household of Stephanus um, for they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And I was looking at the Greek word and it actually, it's a stronger Greek word than that. It actually means addicted. Like they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And I was sitting there thinking, that's what this person is because my my parents and my sisters were always like, this is weird. This girl has no friends. Why is she hanging out in your dorm? This is strange. And it, it was a little strange at first in my heart, but then I realized, oh wait, she is giving her life to, to see other people formed in Christ. And, and then it clicked for me in that dorm room. I want to do this forever. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to help Jesus be formed in others um, and have them pass that on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So what was so sweet about college ministry is it was, it was a very clear, it was very easy to pass on to the next generation. And so I was being poured into by this woman. And then I was then pouring into uh, girls on my hall. So there was this very clear, like spiritual lineage that was happening very quickly, which I think is beautiful and a gift. But it took me a while to deconstruct the idea that that's what all discipleship looks like. Um, and I remember what I was trying to remember earlier. And it's, if I had to say one phrase, what is discipleship? I would say Christ formed in you. Christ formed mm-hmm. in you. Um, so when Paul talks about the Galatian church and he gives them that rip-roaring letter because they're, they're falling back into legalism, um, he says, my children with whom I am again in labor until Christ be formed in you. And that mm-hmm. phrase Christ be formed in you. I'm laboring. I'm working that Christ would be formed in you. Um, That Colossians 1, 28 and 29 comes to mind. Um, Him we proclaim, admonishing and teaching all men that they might be presented complete in Christ. To this end, I labor not with my energy, but with his strength that works mightily within me. Um, The idea that we are laboring, it is work. Um, Christ is being formed in us. And I think one of the coolest things about discipleship is that as we're seeking intentionally to see Christ form in others, be they friends, peers, even someone older than us, we can be discipling. It's not always linear (laughs) and it's not um, chronologically lined up. Like I've had people say, well, I can't disciple so-and-so. I'm only a year older than him, or I'm five years older than so-and-so. And and I led her to Jesus. And now I don't know what to do. I can't disciple her because I'm I'm younger than her. And the spirit doesn't work that way. That's not how any of this works. Um, It's about spiritual maturity and walking with Christ. My wife and I have started watching um, this reality TV show, which I normally knock reality TV because in my background in TV, None of it's actually real. Um, and so that kind of made me a fuddy dud. But this this uh, show called Alone and the premise is these people, uh, this 10 people get dropped off 
in different parts of a wilderness and they carry their own camera and they basically, whoever survives the longest wins. But the, the, the trick of it is you're all alone. You don't have cam- a cameraman to talk to. There's no one else to help you with. And in those moments, um, even the, the boldest, most hardcore survival man or woman c- comes to a point where what they realize is they weren't meant to be alone. Um, and I think that's really interesting because all discipleship is, is realizing, um, I love, uh, we just talked about this in one of our uh, Bible studies here at church the other day in John 15, uh, Jesus says this, he says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so God is glorified through us becoming more Christian, bearing fruit. And that's even what Paul says in Romans, uh, nine, right? We all, uh, we, we all look at um, Romans 8, Romans 8, 28, all things work out for good. But what's the result of the good that we're conformed in the image of the sun? Like that's the good that God's after in all the things, not the removal of the bad, but the presence of the good. And that end can't be accomplished and was not designed to be accomplished alone. And so all discipleship is, is coming alongside those people and helping them build a fire, helping them catch their fish, helping them cut their wood. Um, but in the Christian context of helping them be conformed more to the image of Christ. So, what did that look like for you uh, in that transition from what we see in our church with college students to what you talked about as a hard jump of, you know, I got nothing to do but time and class and maybe a part-time job. And now everyone's got kids and things like that. What does it, what did it look like for you to kind of destructure discipleship, but not to de-intentionalize discipleship? Yes. And I think, in fact, it made it be more intentional and not less intentional because time is a commodity um, and life is busy. And and I think one of the barriers to discipleship is busyness. And um, but I also think some of us think, well, I'll disciple people when I turn 50 and I'm retired, then I'll have time to invest in the next generation. And I think, you know, what we know from the Great Commission is it's it's not a when you get there, it's an as you go. Um, right. Make disciples of all nations. Um it's, that's the main verb of the Great Commission is disciple, make disciples. Um, the other ones is as you go, teaching them to command their gerunds off of that. And so that you make disciples and you don't wait until later. You do it now. You are doing it. That's the other thing is it's not that some people are discipling and other people are not, or some people are being discipled and other people are not. It's who is discipling you. Is the culture discipling you? Is what you're reading discipling you? Or is the scriptures discipling you? And, and is God using the body to disciple you and to train you? So we are made to be disciples, just like we're made to be worshipers. It's not an option. Um, and that helps because everyone is being discipled into something. And so it's what, who or what are you trusting to disciple you? Um, I think that transition to broadening, but not over broadening the idea of discipleship is significant. And in different seasons, I think you have to think about discipleship in seasons. Um, you have to look at the season of life that you are in. Um, I always want to have a toe in the water of discipleship. I never want to get out of the pool. Um, Cause if you get out of the pool, it's hard to get back in. And so it's, it's the capacity for how many people I can be intentional with has changed greatly over the years. It's waxed and waned, kind of like the moon. But I have always had someone or a couple someones that I am intentionally um, spending time with, seeking to form, being formed by. Um, so I think one of the questions I would ask is, who, who are you already around? If, if the statement is, as you go, make disciples, well, where are you going? And who, who are the people that God has already put in the circles where you live, work, and play? Um, those are people that you're likely to be around because there, there is some life that has to happen. We talk about formal and informal time a lot when we talk about discipleship. Formal time is that 
we're sitting together, we're going to pray together. We're going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to ask you accountability questions, or um, I'm going to ask you how your, how your soul is, how your walk with God is. Informal times are we're just together. And we talk about those things as we go. And so you need a, a little bit of both. I think adult discipleship looks like a lot less informal time and a lot more formal time. Um, and that was uncomfortable for me at first. You just kind of have to jump in because you don't get to finish all your conversations when you have kids at home, right? You just, you jump right in, um, into the, the big questions of how's your walk with God? How's your soul? What, what are the things you don't want to tell me right now? <laughs> and yeah. I'm going to do mine. And, and where are you missing the gospel? Where are you seeing the gospel made new today and this week? Um, where, where is Jesus being made much of? Where are you making much of yourself or others? So just jumping right in, I've had to learn how to do that. Um, yeah. So figuring out who's God already put in your life. I think the, the thing I always pray is God, who's in my flock right now? Like this is, you've assigned to me Psalm 16, my portion in my cup. You have made my lot secure. This is where I am. Um, you know, the time that I have, you know, the capacity that I have, whether it be for 12 women or one woman, um, you know what those are. Now bring those sheep to my fold, bring them to my, to my portion and help me to see them and then help me to move intentionally towards them. And so it can look like a text. I wish it didn't look like that in this season, but COVID is strange. And if you would have asked me three years ago, could I disciple women through Zoom and via text and email? I would have laughed at you and said, it's so, it's got to be face to face. It's got to be in person. And yet here we are and we're discipling women through Zoom and yeah. through text. And, um, you know, we're studying Second Timothy right now as a church and as women. And Paul in prison saying to Timothy, the gospel's not bound. He's not mm. bound by our definitions of what discipleship have to look like. He's not bound by our idea and our expectations and our limitations. It's just not bound. So discipleship will happen. It has been the way of the church since the beginning. Um, and it's kind of cool to see the church creatively rising up and the spirit in us creatively rising up to empower us for this moment. And I do hope we go back to face to face because I think that's what we were made for. I think we were wired for that. But in this season, I do think the gospel is on display in that our means are not the end. Um, our methods aren't the, the big thing. It's really God's glory and God will sustain his church and he will form Christ in people. Um, the other, the other verse that comes to mind, one of them is Matthew eleven twelve. Um, from, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. That's the idea of the kingdom is going to go forth. God is going to make disciples. That's that's how he does this. This is his method. Um, do you want to be part of it? That's the idea of, that, of right. um, forcefully advancing. It's so violent, but it is literally to grab a hold of. So the image I have of is this king going through the city, and if you could just grab a hold of his sleigh or grab a hold of his the trail of his robe, then you could get on board for the adventure and you could be part of it. Um, that's the question: Are you going to jump onto kingdom discipleship? Are you going to do it because God's going to do it, and He's going to do use broken people because that's all He's ever done um, to inform and to shape other people into the image of. And he's going to do that in you. So the question is, are you going to get on board? Are you going to line yourself up with that and enjoy it? And I think one of the things that we get from discipleship is joy. So first John three, I have no greater joy or third John, no greater joy than to see that my children are walking in the truth. John's joy was multiplied because he invested in the generations. And if you read his letters, it's just full of older children, younger children, old men, young men. It's so relational. It's very John like, right? He was such a communal dude. Um, you get joy and, and you miss out on it when we don't. And right. I think, and I think that in my experience with the church, 
most of my time is spent trying to convince women who feel like they're not qualified to do discipleship or they don't have time to do discipleship, um, that this is not a command for the elite. It's not for the green berets. That is every believer is a discipler and a disciple because the root word for disciple is to learn, to sit at the mm-hmm. feet of Jesus and to do be a discipler. You are discipled by Jesus to follow to follow him and then to invite others into following him. And so it's not for the elite. It's not for just seminarians. Those are wonderful things. Seminary is great. Training is great. It's just inviting other people into your life. And so first Thessalonians, Paul says, you know, I was well pleased to impart to you. You had become dear to me. I was so, so pleased to impart to you, not only the gospel, but also my life because you had become dear to me. I wanted to give you the gospel and I wanted to give you my life. Those are two very simple things that anyone can do. <laughs> anyone with the Holy Spirit can do that and can unlock the joy and the growth that comes from investing in other people yeah. and being invested yeah. in. Well, and 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 help us um, with that because I think let's let's uh, th- there's burdens on each side of this ditch as there always is in life. There's those who only know how to do discipleship when they're in their dorm room doing Greek word studies, um, and they're like, I don't know what this is going to look like. Uh, in any other context. And then there are those who um, perhaps like you, when you were uh, end of high school, early college, like how can I ever decide? I have no idea what I'm doing here. Describe to me just some of the simple ways where we can begin to start helping people follow Jesus, like the nature of a text or a good question we could start asking. Um, let's, let's say for instance, um, uh, with someone in your community group or a coworker who goes to the same church as you, what does it look like to actually take those relationships that are extant, they do exist, and to start using those in a way that is simply used for the glory of God? I would start by asking questions. Um, I I think asking questions about someone's spiritual background. Um, you in this analogy or in this example, you are saying they they go to church with you, so there's an assumption there that they're a believer. I would start with questions like, you know, we're around each other a lot and we're in a lot of the same circles, but I've never actually really heard more of your story. Um, story is a great way into into any culture, um, but especially post Christian, post modern cultures. Um, ask just ask their story and then say, I'd love to share some of my story with you. Um, and a large part of my story actually has to do with with a, a spiritual journey, and so I'd love to talk to you about that. And then gauging their interest, I think that's the other thing is you have to you have to give to them according to their grab, if that makes sense. So you can only give them as much as they can grab. Um, I think sometimes with discipleship, we tend to walk in and go, uh, if you're really excited and you just came to know Christ, and you're like, I've got all these great things I'm going to teach this person, and it's like coming into someone's like life and just trying to plant a giant sycamore tree. Just boom, I got all this stuff to give you. And that's not a great way to start. I would start with a seed (laughs) and then see if the seed grows. And as the seed grows, it will take up more and more room. And so someone might be needing just a simple conversation. A lot of people have never had an intentional conversation about that or a friendship where they talk about spiritual things. Well, I think that's a big prohibitor for it too, because other people hear the same words you do and they're just as intimidated as discipleship. And so if we ask somebody, Hey, are you being discipled? They're going to think, I don't have time to do a two hour class every Tuesday night right now. Um, I'm just trying to, you know, uh, keep my job. Uh, but to, to see that it comes through with, with, Hey, I can actually, I can discuss the Sunday sermon with this person at work, or I can shoot them a text saying, Hey, can I, how can I pray for you today? And that person's not intimidated by it. And whether they know it or not, um, you're actually helping disciple them and you're creating for them a palette, a color palette of what discipleship looks like, uh, from the variant of, of the gospel. 
Yeah. And I would say I even, I actually caution when, when women, lots of younger women are hungry. Yeah. The younger generations are so hungry for mentorship, so hungry for intergenerational life and other people who have gone ahead of them. The family structure is completely melting down in our culture and um, they just want, they just want someone to invest in them and to care for them. And so a lot of young women will come up to me and say, I need someone to disciple me. And I'm like, well, we're going to start with your words because you cannot say that to any of these godly women at the church. Cause as soon as you disciple, they're going to run the other way because they're humble and they're godly. And that's actually a sign that you do want them to disciple you, but you cannot use that word and you cannot say, can we meet once a week? So I always tell our younger women, no, 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 this is how you're going to do this. You're going to look at the lives of the women in a church. You're going to write down a list of two or three. You're going to observe the parts of their life that compel you, that if it's their marriage, if it's their ministry, if it's their their gospel identity, if it's the way they, they com- they've composed themselves in social media, I don't know. Um, you're going to pick those out. You're going to initiate towards them and say, I would love to get coffee. I have three questions I want to ask you. And so you- and, and then you just get together with them. And if it, if you have a connection and if it seems to go well, you say, you know what, in a couple of weeks or month, I'd like to reach out to you and maybe do this again. That's it. You just do it as you can. And then you backdoor into discipleship. It's very rare that you're going to find a woman or a man who's just like, I am ready to disciple people. Because like you said, the right. language is so intimidating. And, and yes, so it's planting seeds. It's having conversations. It's asking questions. I think I would start with spiritual journey questions. I would share my own story. I wouldn't call it a testimony. I would just say, this is what God has done in my life and is doing in my life currently. And then I would ask questions about what are some areas, if they're a believer, that discipleship is for a believer, by the way. So if, if you're not discipling someone, good news, then you can evangelize them. And and actually evangelism and discipleship are not two separate things. They're intended to be uh, connected. It's, it's a feedback mechanism. So the beginning of discipleship, should hopefully, prayerfully, could be evangelism. You lead someone to Christ or someone leads someone to Christ and then their Christ is formed in them. A fully mature disciple will then want to share the gospel with others. So they're 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 on the same spectrum. They're not separate things. Because I've heard people say, well, I'm an evangelist or I'm a discipler. And I think, well, it's kind of all of them. It should be a spectrum. But if they're a believer, if you through the spiritual journey questions, you realize, oh, this person's a believer, then I think I would ask questions like, well, what are some areas where you feel like um, you're really natural and strong in walking with God. And what are some areas where you feel like you'd like to grow or there's some gaps? Ask them. Huh, that's really interesting. You you mentioned your prayer life. Would you be interested in me maybe giving you a few resources and us talking from time to time, grabbing a cup of coffee, going on a going on a walk, hopping in the car with me while we go to carpool? And we can talk about prayer. We can talk about what the world says prayer is, what you think prayer is, what your experience of prayer is what the Bible says prayer is, we could jump in there. So it's, it's much more topically based and it's based on what they actually want, their felt need, rather than you saying, oh, I've got this great, this great curriculum I'd like to lead you through, which isn't bad, mm. but that's also intimidating. Seasonal, like you mentioned. Yeah. So what, um, we'll, we'll wrap up here in a couple of minutes, but w- one question, like when it comes to you, uh, let's, let's again, let's think of more that informal um, or or low formal, meaning like I'm just jumping into the question, but not curriculum, not book study. Um, what are what does that look like in your life with um, kind of that middle tier women in your life, where you are wanting to help them follow Jesus and stir them towards that, but it's also you have a relationship with them, so you're not trying to just build that relationship like you would tier three, but you're also not um, having a a formal weekly book study. What, what are some of your favorite ways to do that right now? And what does it look like in your life? 
Well, I would, I, I would think right in my life right now, what I think that looks like, there's two groups that come to mind. One is a group we call the Zoom Well, and it's just a group of young moms. Um, they would not say that I'm discipling them. I would not say that I'm discipling them, but it's a group of young moms who some of them don't know the Lord, some of them don't, but we meet every Tuesday on a Zoom call. And we're not, we just now started to actually read a book together, but for the first, I don't know, three months of us meeting, it was just a connection time. And I would come with a question um, about, about God. So, um, tell me one of the most influential people in your walk with God. Um, what, what, what thing, what one book has shaped you the most? Um, if you could write a book about one thing, what would it be and why I'm, I'm getting to know them. And then also, um, what, where, what, where do you need God to show up in your life right now? What are the biggest needs in your life and where have you seen God show up? So we're just sharing stories of each other. And as we're doing that, I'm, I'm listening for, themes and listening for patterns and listening for principles that, that they're missing. And I'm like, okay, this, as we're talking, this person is not a believer or, okay, this, this girl has, doesn't know, doesn't have a devotional life. And so, okay, as I'm gathering that information, I'm taking notes and then I'm going to follow up later that week and say, you know, I was thinking one of the things that helped me grow the most is having just a daily time with God. Have you ever, have you ever had that in your life? Be, and be honest. Okay. If you, if you haven't, that's okay. For a long time, I didn't. And sometimes I still don't. And then depending on what their answer, I might say something like, I have this, what if I send you um, five different verses and for five days you read them and you and I, at the end of the week, we just talk about what what was confusing, what was challenging and what was comforting about those verses. And then we just talk about what God did in our lives. So I think there's a thousand ways to do it, but um, I think it's asking questions, building a relationship and then seeing needs. I think sometimes we really want to jump into practicals when it comes to discipleship. And I think discipleship is very practical, but I think one of the things that's most helpful is passing on principles. So what are the principles um, that will help this person walk with God? Not, this is exactly how it looks in my life, but the principle is a daily devotional life. Now for me, that's what this looks like for you. This could look like this, but the principle is we cannot live if we're not in the word of God. And so I want to help you figure that out for who you are. Here's some principles. Now let's, let's try some different practices that might work for who you are. Because the other thing about discipleship is you have to know, we don't know how long we get to walk with someone in the ideal world. We get to see them come to know Christ. We get to watch them be formed in Christ for years. We get to see them build their lives in the word, begin to understand the word um, learn tools to how to share the word, learn tools to how to pray. And then we get to see them start doing that in someone else's life. That's a beautiful run. That does not always happen. In fact, I would say it very rarely happens. If that happens, what a gift, what a gift, but that is not something that we're entitled to. And I think that intimidates people that thought of the big long versus, I don't know how long this person's going to be in my life. It might be for three months. It might be for during COVID. It might be, they might move. I don't know. Or it might be for seven years. I don't know. But I, my job, what I get to do is ask the spirit, spirit, what are you doing in this person's life? And how can I walk with them from where they are to the next step? We don't, we don't always get the full run. We yeah. might just do three steps. And that's so freeing because then we're not forcing things down someone's throat before they're ready for it. We're not saying, here's my sycamore tree, boom, and crushing a young believer or a would-be believer with way too much. Um, we're just getting to say, I'm planting some seeds. I'm seeing how they grow. I'm moving with you to the next phase. I'm giving you principles that hopefully will serve you for the rest of your life. And, and then at some point I will probably release you either. God will release you. Time will release you. Circumstances will release you. And someone else will pick up there because this is not primarily about me. Discipleship is not primarily about the discipler 
or the disciple, the disciple, it is primarily about God and what he is doing. And so mm-hmm. if we can get ourselves out of the main character role. It's, it's idolatrous to put ourselves in the center and it's idolatrous to put them in the center. Oh, this is all about you, you young believer. This is about God and what he is doing. We just get to mm-hmm. come the spirit. We're not starting something. God is already up to something. And that's what we're looking for when we're looking for who am I going to intentionally spend time with? Not everyone wants this. You're looking for where is God already at work? And then how can I come alongside that? Take this person to the next step. That's where the intentionality comes from. Where are they? What could be a next step? And oftentimes you just ask them what they want their next step to be, right? Then they're way more motivated for it. And then you walk them through some little steps and they don't have to be giant and they don't have to be a 40 week Jen Wilkins study. They can just be, uh, Hey, you know what? Let's read. Um, someone was struggling with anxiety. And I said, you know, let's read Job chapters 38 through 41 over and over again for the next two weeks. And let's just talk about at the end of it. What, what it got to. Right. And sometimes it's every week. I would say most of the women I disciple now, the Zoom well women, it is every week and it's beautiful. And then there's one-on-one follow-ups that happen, emails here and there, texts or a quick social distant walk. Um, but some of the women I meet with, I meet with once every three months. And I say, okay, right. in three months, this is what we're working on for the next three months. This is your homework. If you want to grow, here's some thoughts. And then I want you to come back to me and tell me how that went. And then we'll retool it. And um, so it's yeah. much more... Um, personalized than it is this here's this life on curriculum it's, it's life on life and we're bringing in tools but the main tool should be the word of god and getting yep. the word out of that person well and that's so important because uh discipleship is, isn't done right there's there's no it'll be done one day in ephesians 5 when we are presented uh spotless before christ um but to to, to alleviate the burden of that meeting time or whatever that is. It's like, it, you're not going to be done. There's not going to be some visible, uh, fantastic thing that happened. And yet uh, we're reminded, you know, as Paul says, he said, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the fruit. What we know is when we're pointing people to the gospel with gospel things, um, that God's going to do it. And we can trust that he's not going to, he's not going to fret that he handed the church over to a bunch of limited knuckleheads. And so what, what great joy there is in following Jesus together as a church. I pray that our conversation today helps others um, step, take that step forward of sending that text. I love the, the question, what I'm going to use, because uh, I think it's a great question even in terms of evangelism. You know, if you could write one book, uh, what would it be? What would you write a book about? And then the follow-ups to that and seeing the desires of their heart and their goals for their life are, are beautiful. So thanks, Amy, so much for your time. Um, and uh, we hope that God blesses your ministry there in Southern California with you and your family.